Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I am your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and thank you so much for joining me again. It is my one year anniversary on Voice America with my show, Fearlessly Authentic. So, uh, woohoo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have my very good friend, and I don't know if you know that you've been a mentor to me. I didn't know that. You texted me that the uh, other day and I was like, whoa, that was very nice. Yeah, well, it's very true. You've been in my life for a long time and I'm so happy to have you here. Um, I just want to go through a few things before we get into everything. It's a a big, big line in the sand. One year to do anything consistently is is an achievement. Exactly. And I want to get, I really want to talk about that because the consistency, the determination, the persistence, the taking of action, everything that gets you to do something for one year. And so a shout out to my executive producer, Robert, for being there for me, mentoring me also, pushing me, letting me know that, hey, Jody, you can do this when I was doubting myself and didn't have the confidence sometimes to talk about some things. So thank you, Robert and Aaron. Woohoo, Aaron. Thank you so much for being there for me. Like today we had screw ups (laughs) with the sound and last two weeks ago it was the Wi-Fi and Aaron, you're the best. It was such a pleasure to meet you a few weeks ago when I was in Scottsdale and to the big guy, Ryan over there too, it was great meeting you, but everybody at Voice America um, who helped me put together this whole show, I really, really appreciate it. And thank you for pushing me to be the best version of me because that's what we're here for. That's what the show is about to educate, empower, and inspire you so you can live a fearlessly authentic life. Sounds easy, but easier said than done. I am the original scaredy cat, the original afraid of my own shadow um, until I broke out of my box. And, you know, and I still do things every single day that scare me and I procrastinate until I get there. But this guy here, Mike DiMatteo, a friend of mine since I think I opened up my studio in 2009. Yeah. Um, You have been there and pushing me. Like, I'm hating you when you push me when I'm doing things that scare the hell out of me. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. And that's kind of the way it goes down. And you know it's right when you get that type of reaction, I think, from somebody that you trust. And when, you know... That's when you become actually fiercely authentic because you're you're not afraid to to take that the brunt of it really and then just step out and go, well, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I don't want to do this. But that person or whatever says I should do this, maybe I should think about it. Yeah, and you have a lot of practice. And I, I want to tell my audience a little bit about you because you have a slew of of experience behind you. And one of the reasons I trusted Mike to direct me in the first videos we did back in 2009, 2010. Yeah. Right. That's a while ago, that's a while ago when you think about it. Like, that's when I, I mean, I moved back from LA in 2009. 
So why don't you tell the audience what you were doing out in LA rather than me reading your bio? That sounds like a good idea. Right? And we didn't I was even working plan on that. <laughs> I was working in reality TV and I was working on the best shows on television at the time. Um, like? One was Survivor. I did a season of Survivor and I realized that that is the most difficult job for anything to do with sound, I think, physically in probably in the whole, in the whole, you know, sound, sound world landscape. Yeah. I mean, you're out there with a, you know, 15 foot pole above your head with a, a microphone that's this big. And then, you know, you're basically five pound weight, but when you put that at the end of 15 feet and you're doing that for five or six hours a day, like I remember I came out and I was like, Oh my God, why do I have shoulders now? <laughs> I wish I kept them. Um, but you know, I, nobody in my nobody in my circle wanted me following them around with a boom pole all day. So you know, I lost except all that. for me, maybe. Yeah, right. I lost all that. Like you know, Chris and Rob and Pete didn't want me going around like this. Right. But but, but and then and you know, but why was that hard? What not to get too into it, but why was that so hard? Why was that one of the hardest jobs in your sound career? Well, you know, I mean, I only did people on that show do, have done all of them. But, you know, uh, and other shows, they have microphones they have on them that are hidden. But on Survivor, they, they, didn't have the, they didn't have the clothing on. So you couldn't right. put microphones. So you're out there like this. And the, the worst part was inevitably, you know, remember, they're all talking like this because they want to talk strategy right. and all that stuff. Or, you know, uh, two of them go off and it's a guy who's six foot three and a girl who's five foot four. And she goes down to wash like the clothes in the, in the, in the river. Right. And so you have this, you know, dichotomy of heights yes. and your camera operator is trying to get a wide and a tight and you're really doing this dance, but you're, you're up here the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, and what I found out real quick when I got on that show was as opposed to another show I worked on, which was the apprentice you're in New York city. As long as you're grabbing sound, there's so much extraneous noise. You don't even hear it. But when you're in the jungle in, in Samoa, you hear the cable rattling in the pole if fast. Wow. And I, I, got, a little, I got a little heat. The, the, when you, they listen back to your tapes. The sound supervisor listened back to your tapes. Mm-hmm. And not to break your stones, but to make sure you're getting it right. Because when you hear that, you can't hear that on, on television. You don't want to hear that. So, you know, I, I, after the first three days, I had to take all the gear back to my room and really work on it. Because being a sound mixer and a sound recorder, like I had the mic placement and all this, but what I didn't realize, like I said, when, when you're in the middle of New York City, I mean, you could hear a bomb go off and you would think it was a car coming by. Right. And I'm sure as Aaron is listening to this, I'm sure he could relate to what you're Correct. talking about because- You know, it's, it's kind of like this, like you hear me hitting the table now and exactly. I'm not even thinking about it. But when you hear that on a boom and a shotgun microphone, you hear that because they're very crazy. sensitive. And all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh shoot, I, yeah. better, I better get this together. Um, and that's Well, I know why- what it's like talking to my daughter when she takes a walk in the city. She lives in New York. Right. And, and she's got her AirPods in. And I'm like, Lexi, I can't, I can't talk to you because right. every other second, it's, a, it's a, a truck, a siren. Well, so when you're in the city, you can't hear a pin drop. But when you're in the middle of, of a, you know, um, basically you're in the middle of the woods or a tropical island, you can hear everything. Right. 
So I learned real quick that uh, I better step my game up, but it made me a better mixer and a better um, boom operator. Um, I'm sure. But when you first got onto it, it was like, oh. (laughs) Now after that, so did you go right to the apprentice or what was Super Nanny? I had been working on apprentice and Super Nanny for years. And then I got the opportunity to do Survivor Mm -hmm. Um, because it's such a long show. A lot of people... um, you know, they do a lot, but sometimes maybe, you know, they had a kid being born or, you know, some various other thing that allowed them not to go. And I kind of was like, hey, we have an opportunity. We have a slot. Do you want to jump on? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, a lot of them come back. And, you know, I liked that show, but I did like the, you know, the kind of the city of The Apprentice and then Super mm-hmm. Nanny traveling around America, being in different people's houses and kind of uh, just popping up a TV studio in a couple of days and then filming there for 14 and then packing it all back up and flying out to the next location. So now in your, so you were out in LA, you were like a big deal out in LA, living the LA, living the LA life. You come back to Connecticut and well, you're in New York, you're in Connecticut. Well, that's the case is at that time, nobody really knew where I lived. Like everybody that I met out in LA was like, do you live in New York? Do you live in LA? Do you live in Connecticut? Where, where, where is it? And I was like, I live wherever I want now. (laughs) Isn't that nice? (laughs) But now, now you are a family man and you have a five-year-old daughter. So life is different. So what do you probably see her running? You'll probably see her running around. Um, Yes. I love her. She's like one of my favorite little people. And I'm I like I like little people. I guess as I've gotten older, I like little people more. But when I was raising my kids, I just liked I was that woman who just liked my kids. Well, they're um, tough. but I do love your daughter. Oh, I love all the kids. She's yeah, adorable. I love all the kids and and actually, it's funny because now we're in this apartment here. We sold our house because we had a lot of things that were you know fixed a lot of things, and then we 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 sold our house. And who wait, knew hold that, that story. I want to talk about the selling of this. I okay. just want to tell everybody. So you're now like a married man. You have a five-year-old and- Yeah, you're... I decided like I, I I had lived that kind of rock star life, but got, yeah. you know, instead of touring around in a van, like I got to get to the next level where, you know, we were going around the country, getting paid very well, having a lot of fun. And I started in that industry when I was like 22 and a half. Mm-hmm. So I rode that all the way until I was probably, how old am I now? 42. Did so you probably- you're 42, 42 already? I'm gonna, well, I'm going to be 42 in October. Okay. Yeah, that's right. 41. <laughs> so, um, yeah, until I was like 35. And at that point when I had moved back here to Connecticut, I, I was still doing reality shows and still traveling. But, you know, there there was a time where I was just like, look, I, I've done, been there, done that. And I love the fact that I did that. But there's something more to life. And I try and experience that. Mm-hmm. And then I happened to get hit with, you know, finding a woman it was like, oh, that's it right there. Right, turn, switch. The, turn the dial. Mm-hmm. And, and now reason to, to kind of be home mm. or be around. And, you know, now we're five years into that. Now there's a whole different, you know, obvious cir- circle of insanity that goes with that. Yes. So it's not much different than being on the road. It's just a different mentality and maybe a slightly different mic. But tell me about that. Tell crazy, me that. It's still the same craziness. Yeah. So tell me <laughs> about the mic that went from the wild. I don't know if you were wild, but you know, you were living the life. And I, I, I mean, you, you can know. describe it as that. It's 320. We're 
experiencing <laughs> your first one year anniversary and have yes, a Bacardi I didn't Club bring soda. My, I didn't bring my tequila with me. So, but, but, but this would have been, you know, kind of a, a normal occurrence. Not that I was, you know, drinking too much, but like right. I was out in LA, it was three in the afternoon. I was not working and I was making beats on my computer, making music. So I have a few Bacardi and clubs. But now this is like the first time I've done this in like, I don't know, years. I love that. But, but it was it was wild on the road because listen, you know, I was a kid. Yeah. Right yeah. in my 20s getting on these TV shows. And, and you know, the, the dichotomy was all of a sudden it was like, wait, I'm on TV shows yeah. getting paid a good amount of money to do this highly professional thing. Yes. But then when we got offset, it was like, wait a second, and we're doing this in New York, and you're paying for our apartment, and we can go do whatever it is we want. And there's 200 of us here. Right. <laughs> wait a second. So yeah, we would go out, and there'd be 50 of us walking down the street like this to this bar, and then there would be 20 of us by the you know the fourth bar, and then there would be 10, and then right. you'd get home at midnight or one o'clock, and get up at 5:30 in the morning. Like we had one year where we had the six o'clock shift. And that was the year, actually, the Red Sox and Yankees were oh, by in the, way. the playoffs. <laughs> right. Were, I mean, that's the only reason why I did the show in the first place. Oh, Somebody really? was like, in, I was in LA. My friend goes, hey, we got this opportunity to do this show with this guy, Donald Trump. And I was like, this guy, Donald Trump? At the time, you know, the West Coast didn't know about him. I was like, yeah, everybody on the East Coast knows about him. Right. I was like, when is that show? And they were like, oh, it's probably going to be like September, October. And I was like, uh, yes. And what year like, was that, Mike? Because I know that you started know. in two thousand and three. So two thousand and three, okay. and then two thousand and four. You had, I mean, just you had amazing playoffs. We were there for when the Red Sox came back from a three to one def. I mean, um, a three nothing deficit to beat the Yankees. And we, wait, we I was at, at I was me at and my the, buddy were at Game Seven. It was the best wait, money wait, ever. I was spent. at I was at the Yankees when they won the um, World Series. I think in 2000, 2001. Did they win? That's, 2000, yeah, 2000, I think. 2000, it was My baseball knowledge is yeah, not as no, good as I, it should be. Um, but, but we were there in, in Yankee Stadium when the Red Sox made the greatest comeback in history ever to be down 3-0 and win a series. And we, the Red Sox, because I'm a Red Sox fan, we won it in Yankee Stadium. And my buddy and I had purchased tickets to I'm the game. I'm a Yankees fan. I know. That's why I'm rubbing it in. We had purchased tickets to the night before for game six and it was raining and we were, I was so tired. I'd fall asleep during those games in the ninth inning and then they all went into extra innings and he would hit me and he'd go, get up, we're up, get up. And, oh, oh, okay. And then I'd be up four hours later and walk to work. But we spent, we sold our tickets for game six and then spent like $210 on game seven tickets. We got to the stadium and the guy was like, he gave us the tickets. We give him the money. And he's like, you're so lucky. Because those tickets were going for like six hundred bucks. Yeah, it's crazy. It was so great. you were so you were back in the city. Now, were you playing? Um, we also didn't touch upon yet that you are a musician. So you are a very that. creative man. You've got I you tend went to from be. yes, you are, <laughs> and you've got um, an. How would you describe your business? It's audio, video. It's yeah, editing. Audio, it's video, filming, production creation really right i mean right. we go from from a full service production company we we can film it we can create it um you know we can talk to brands and businesses and come up with ideas or we can go out and film something for somebody and then take it back in editing in fact that's what we're doing here mm -hmm. 
my man Alex was over living, here, Stevie was over room. here. Like I, I'm hiding them, but <laughs> you know, the uh, the whole week there's been three people here because we had mm -hmm. a big job that just got. Um, we just filmed a lot this weekend because it was a uh, commencement at Albertus Magnus College, which is a college in New Haven, Connecticut. Yep. And we have like I don't know, twelve videos to produce in the next. Well, it was this week and next week, so basically like you know, 10, 12 days. And it all started, no, I'm only kidding, with when you started <laughs> filming me, Jody Fit, before I opened up my studio. Remember all the filming we did? There? Yeah, we did some good videos. We still have to do more. Actually, I need to talk to you about it because I'm oh, about to good. relaunch my YouTube channel. And but, uh, speaking of you. those videos, like, uh, I mean, that's, I think that's where we really like connected the dots. Yeah. Um, and you know, the first ones when we were at the, the condo in, in Hamden, right? Yes, yes. And that's when you really pushed me. And I thought, I remember telling Peter, I really like Mike. Like, I know he's creative. I know he's smart, but like, he's kind of a pain in the neck. Like, he's really <laughs> pushing me to say things that are outside my comfort zone. And at the time, I didn't realize that what I was struggling with was the fear of really being myself. And you knew that after your experiences being on these reality shows that the thing that brought the viewers was the was the fact that people were being real they were being authentic and nobody was really talking back in 2009 2010 about being let's just say fearlessly authentic but you were pushing me to get the most out of me and I'm thinking oh this feels so uncomfortable but we got really great footage so if anybody goes to my YouTube channel Jody Harrison Jody Harrison Bauer Jody Fit that's why I need to get it cleaned up Mike is you will see old videos of me training clients back in the Planet Fitness days yeah not a plug for Planet Fitness but um back before I opened up my studio it was crazy well I mean, I think your point about the reality television and learning that from there yeah. was was the right point. It's that that's what that's what made those shows pop, and that's you know, no matter what they did in the editing, at some point those people said it. Yes, they could take it here and take it here and smash it together, and all of a sudden you made. But people were being real, and they were letting down that guard. So all the producers I worked with, because I was just a sound mixer, but I wasn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was listening to not only what the quality of sound was and grabbing all that sound. But I was listening to the producers and how did they go and how did they – because they they did. They had to get these people to say certain things to make that show have guts and soul. Right. Right? And so when I figured it out, I was like, oh, wait a second. That's why I'm here because I am a guts and soul person. That's the secret sauce. I don't care about the glitz and the glamour. Like my my senior year quote in when I was in high school was a Louis Armstrong one that was like, give me the fortune, keep the fame. Ah, I like that. And and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I randomly had this Louis Armstrong book because I'm, you know, I'm a jazz player at the time. And I and I read it in the front. And I was like, oh, that's my senior quote right there. That's exactly like that's exactly how I feel all the time. Like I don't care. I want to have fun. I want to feel good about myself. But at the end of the day, like, just you know, give me the give me the money. I don't I don't need this fame celebrity thing. I don't care who. And, and I, not that I had it, but I mean, you know, you get to a point where your name's on television and you're like, oh, well, this is cool. Or you come back to Hamden and everybody's like, oh, we heard you made a lot of money. So buy us all drinks. Right. And it's like, no, I don't make a lot of money. You heard what I made on that day. And maybe I did that for 40 days. But what about the 30 days I didn't work, you know, right. because it was a freelance industry and it was like, right. stop. But that, you know, that, that was my vibe, but it's the grit. It's the grime. It's the dirty work. And I still love to do it. And I think maybe, and we can talk about this probably 
you know, maybe after break is that the idea that you have to move up and maybe do less of that as you grow a business is something I one have trouble with, with, with doing that. And also then it's finding somebody that you can trust that could basically be a mini you or do things enough like you to make sure the clients are happy. So that's currently like, I think my state of mind going into, you know, whatever the next months of, of this year are is to think about what do I do and how do I do that? Because I'm so used to doing it all. Well, there needs to be the trust. I know again, you know, going back to that time where we first started working together and what you're saying is that I had to trust you. So when we do come back from break, I want to finish talking about this and then talk about what has changed in our lives and where we went from a year ago to where we are now, because so much has changed, all good stuff. It's always right. all good stuff, right? So change is, hope, good. change is very, very good. Scary, but it's good. So we'll be back in a few minutes, everybody. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code PODCAST to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. 
send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Hello, welcome back, everybody. I am with Mike DiMatteo. We are talking about reality shows and being fearlessly authentic because way back then, Back in 2002, 2003, I think it, you know, Survivor, Apprentice, they all set the tone for being authentic. That's what we were talking about, being authentic. And Mike worked on those shows and he pushed me when we first met to be as authentic as I could be while I was disliking him, but loving him at the same time. (laughs) So uh, welcome back, Mike. And I wanted to... um, go through kind of what the past year has been like, because you really pushed me again, like a year ago when I started with Voice America and the show, you were, I could feel your finger poking me in the back and just saying, <laughs> just be yourself. Just, just be Jody. just be Jody. It's okay to be just Jody. And I thought, yeah, I guess it is because I don't know how to be anybody else. And I want to thank you for that. And you know, things have developed and I think I've grown tremendously. Um, so I just wanted to thank you for that. But I wanted to know from you, what's happened in your life since a year ago, since well, May 20th, 2020? Well, thank you. And you're you're welcome. But, you know, I think you knew all that stuff inside. It's just a matter of, you know, it's the producer mentality. It's like, how do you bring that out? I mean, a perfect example is, is right now as we were entering uh, this Zoom you know, we had a couple little technical snafus and even though you got a little angsty, you didn't panic. And I think a year ago you would have panicked and I would have been like, Hey, I got to fix this or show me the phone or this and that. And it was like, Hey Jody, let's just cut it down and start over. And you're like, yeah, you're right. You know, so know. it shows that like, you know, now you're comfortable. And that's the thing is like the first time we do something, it, it, number one, the first time you do something, if you were comfortable, it's not the right thing to do. Agree. Right. And if you're uncomfortable, the whole idea is like, all right, good. Get a little nerves. Get that vibe going. I still did that right Mm -hmm. today. Like, I mean, we've done this enough times. I've done this enough times. It's not a, it's not a thing that's foreign to me, but I still get those jitters. It's like the live TV jitters. It's the live. It's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting. And if you don't get those, I mean, sometimes, you know, I would think that it's, it may be time to try something else, but I, I, and I think. But I even think, uh, you know, whether it's Hannity or Maddow or Tucker or Don Lemon, like just name those people. I, I do think they get that feeling when they go live. So I think one thing is over a year, I can tell that you've gotten better at this and you've gotten more comfortable, not only on the microphone, because I've always known that you could do that, but but behind the scenes, technically being able to navigate this uh, yourself because, you know, a year ago, I was helping you out with this. Voice America yes. was really helping you out with this. And then yes. all of a sudden it was like, Mike D just sails off into the sunset. <laughs> He's okay with that. <laughs> because yeah. now that you no, have you're it, so, right? Now no, that you're you so have lovely. it, it's like, this is great. No, you're so lovely like that because you do. You you help me. You you held my hand. And then, you know, like what we want to do with our children. We teach right. them. It, it's how I started out the show. We educate them. We give them we empower them and then we watch them fly. And I do that with my clients. And that's what you did do for me. And we touched base a bunch of times, but I'd like you to go, what, what's happened in your life in the past year? The the last one we did (laughs) was I was in my in-laws basement. 
Yes, it was a lovely <laughs> backdrop. Yeah, and, you know, I tried to light it up, but it, it was still, it was a basement. Now I have this and I'm worried about that light on top of my head right there. <laughs> yeah, but what it. am I going to do? I'm not going right. to climb on the counter. You know, it is no, what okay. it is. okay. I did so, notice it. Obviously, we are in a new place. Mm-hmm. We are in an 850 square foot apartment mm-hmm. where this is the everything room. And I, I'm sure there's some people out there that have the everything room. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, so right. We went from after, a house to well, your in-laws. We went from, yeah, we basically went from a 24 to 2,700 square foot, if you count the basement, mm-hmm. house to my in-laws, which was 1,300 square feet, but it was... It was me, my daughter, Daniela, my wife, Jessica, my mother-in-law, father-in-law, and Jessica's son, Tyler, who is 20, I'm losing track, 23. Mm. <laughs> and so it, it, it was just chaos. And everybody knows what happened during the pandemic. Right. And it didn't have to be that you were living with your in-laws. It could have been, you, you were just living with your normal family being there all the time. Yes. So it was just, it was chaotic. There was a lot of stress. There was a lot of me Mike emotional blowups during the summer. Like I'm no. good for one or two of those every couple of months. Yes, you are. Or maybe, you know, like one every three months I'm, I'm good for. Like I, I, I like to be the, you know, I'm strong and I can do it. But eventually it just like, it all gets to me. And it's like, this is, this is ridiculous. People. I've, be, I've been around you during those blowups. That's not, yeah. a, it's, 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 it's more it's like the Hulk. Happy. Yes. It's, it's yeah. very, you don't want the Hulk to come out until no. Thanos comes down and tries to blow up the world. And then you want the Hulk, but yes. you don't want the Hulk normally. No, we don't, we don't like, we don't like, <laughs> no. like the Hulk. No. So, but, but you know, it's high stress situations and, and, and you're living with, you're not just living with people, you're with them all the time. And I don't care how much you love a person, right? Because obviously I love all of them. Of course. Um, but if you're, if you're there all the time, the love is, it's there, but you know, it's the, it's the intricacies of, of everyday life or what you do and don't like about people, whether it's the clicking of the keyboard that my wife's doing in the background now, mm-hmm. or it's me putting up my speakers because I need to mix and I don't want to mix in headphones. Right. And then my wife's like, how do you listen to that same word 70 times? Which I'm sure annoys her. With me, it's right. great. It's like, oh, I got to listen to it seven times because I got to make it sound like this. But for her, it's like, blow your brains out. You know right. I mean? It's insanity. Exactly. So what did you... so? You moved from your house into your in-laws. What did you learn about yourself that maybe you decided to tweak or change to well. where maybe you are now? <laughs> did you not change at all or did you ask all the people around you to change? No, no. I, well, the interesting thing with me, I think, is I tend to be very observant of what is going on, but also what I do. Like I know what I'm doing when I'm doing it. It, it might not be the right thing to do. But you're very aware I'm of aware what I'm you're doing. doing. I know okay. exactly what I do. If I'm being a jerk, I know I'm being a jerk. Will you but call I've yourself almost, out on it? Yeah, but because I almost tell myself, okay, you're going to be a jerk now. But you just need to be a jerk right now or you need to yell. You need to, whatever it is. Yeah, I've been around. And, and that's selfishly, that's yep. me. But mm-hmm. but but I always think, okay, I've, I've hit these marks. Now, where am I going? Right, because that's where it is. That's where. All right, it give me is. an it's example. Like, it's like give where me you're an going. example. So right now, so living in this house or, or this apartment, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I could be mad because I had a sick house. I had a backyard. Sick house. Had, oh, that means like, good. Oh, well, right. right. Well, that's ironic, okay. right? You co- right. because because it was a sick a, house. It was making me right. There was mold in there. Yeah. So I just well, needed to clarify. But you know when we when we got rid, it was just like we got rid of it all, and it was like time to go. But I, you know, I could be just 
I could just be mad at everything. And, and I'm not saying that I'm not upset that we don't have a house or anything, but we have this apartment and it's weird because it's on a main road in Mil- uh, Orange, Connecticut, which is like, you know, the post road. It's like y- your strip malls, your yeah. big, big restaurants, furniture chains. And we live in the back Everything, of a furniture chain store. City. Yeah, it's chain city. Right, but we live in the back of a furniture store, which was an old, it, it was a commercial building that had businesses. And the guy decided to redo it into these apartments. So there's like maybe 10 of them and they're brand new. And we came here. And we were like, it's small, you know, you could see everything stacked, but there's five, five kids here. You know, there's a, uh, like a, a three-year-old, a five-year-old girls, and then there's a eight and a nine-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And so Daniela just plays with them. And mm-hmm. so the first day she came, you know, after she got comfortable with them, yeah. like she just runs out. And they run out and it's in a parking lot, which is a lot like the concrete jungle of New York right, City, which is right. not something we were used to. We were used to the grassy backyards, the grass, of, right. you know, Hamden, Connecticut and Orange and all this. But she just runs out there and plays. And you can see it's like, oh, oh. you know, she gets that crazy look like I just want to go play. Or the kids just yell up. They're like, Daniela, Daniela. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of you in New York City where the, they were yelling down from the, yes. from the fourth or fifth floor of apartment or a 30th, Daniela. And they, they just go out and play. And she is so happy. So now I've realized, well, like it doesn't matter about me, which it never has. And when you get married and when you have a kid or kids, like you realize it's just, it's not about you anymore. No, it's about, it's about the kids. And especially after this year, having right. her in the house a lot, um, not really socializing with her friends. I, I think you told me she FaceTimes a lot of, she FaceTimed a she lot of her friends, the, which is what a pandemic. lot of kids do, yeah. but they still weren't getting that human touch. No. And now, and now here she's getting it in this concrete jungle. And you know what? You're like, Yay. This is like completely authentic. This is, my kid is having a great time. Right. And when we sit down at the dinner table, like if if somebody eats earlier and they're outside, it's like, she's got to run over the window. It's like, you can't do that. But when we eat, then you can go out and play. Right. Right. So like the, the worst problem now is, is trying to get her inside which is a great problem to have. You know what? That's a great problem. So and it makes us happy. It makes Jessica and I really happy yeah. because you just see it in her face. And even my wife who, who has been reluctant just as much as I have, you know, and wants to move to house, just, I feel like we're very similar on the same page finally about where and how we're going to live. And then we look at this and she's like, you know, I don't even know if I would, it would have to be the right house to move now. I was thinking, right. I was thinking you were going to say that because everything about it is perfect for your daughter. Like, yeah, it's perfect. But you know, in the long run, this isn't where you want to stay for the rest of your life with her. Right. But it's a moment in time, right? Like they say, and it might changing with the seasons. Honestly, if if the apartment was like fifteen or sixteen hundred square feet, I might say yeah, because there's a lot of things I don't have to do. Yeah, like lawn work, like taking and I like, care of the place. I mean, it's ironic because I do like the the I do like mowing the lawn because in every other aspect of my life, there's really? never an end. It's just somebody taking the video from you at a time and paying you. Whereas with the lawn or shoveling snow, it's defined. There's a beginning and there's an end. So you know if you bust your butt and put the work in, eventually it's going to be done. Whereas with the creative process, it's like, no, don't take that yet. And that's something through the years I've had to figure out where it's just like, yeah, that video could be perfect, but it's not. They're also not paying me for it to be perfect and it's time to let it go. That's hard for you. It was. It's, it's, it's less hard now because I know where... 
you know, I, I know what I'm producing and how much I'm getting paid. And there's a whole bunch of other things in, that go into that equation. And it, the work never suffers, but, and most of the times nobody sees it. Mm-hmm. But if you're a production professional that's been there for years, you may see it, you may hear it, but it's like, hey, you know, it is what it is. And not everything can be perfect. The, the, the goal is to make the next one better. Has that changed in the past year? Or do you think that's changed because you are more okay with who you are now and what you do and the work you put out there and produce? I think it's changed when I got, basically when I started working with Albertus Magnus College. And that was about two years ago? No, I think, I think it's about four. No way. Five, maybe. Yeah, I I lose track, but it's definitely more than two. And um, because we just had a commencement and the last one I did was 2019. Okay. We did 2018 and 27, maybe it's 2017. But I think realizing that, you you know, like I work very closely with them. I'm not, you know, I'm not an employee. I'm basically their, their contractor and, and the guy they go to and the company they go to for production work. But what I realized was the level of speed that even a college, which is a relatively slower environment work at. You can't sit there and hem and haul over stuff because if that because it just steamrolls you and next thing you know, like there you go, you're the mic the hole comes out and you're bombarded and it's crazy and it's insane. So it's like you've you you kind of learn to to move on quicker now. And also I think, you know, skill sets. Mm-hmm. Once you feel comfortable, you start to realize these things and you go, I don't need that or I do need this. Um, and it's a growth process. See, they're in the background. I, I see them. I'm sure Aaron hears she wants them to go too. Outside. She yes, wants to go outside. I'm sure. So what would you say would be the top, the, the top two things that may have changed you in the past year from, yeah. In the past well, year? I, I, I mean, I think the pandemic has had a, a tough effect on me. I tend to be a freedom loving person. And that's not just from a political sense, obviously Mm -hmm. with my work, I've always, I've never worked in a corporate environment. I've never worked in an environment where I had to be at work at the same time every day for a year. All this stuff was freelance. Now it's all, you know, freelance and, uh, you know, hustling business. So, you know, the pandemic really started, it started to do this. And I think same thing with the living area, it started to do this and it's like, Oh no, don't take away Mike's freedoms or, or right. like, don't trap me when you I get started trapped. started feeling a little claustrophobic. Feel. Like yeah, that's, you were locked that's in a exactly. box. Right. That's exactly right. So right. Uh, <laughs> unboxed, right. Unboxed, where, right. Where we Unbox had been you. talking about that for yes. years about your show. Um, I feel like if I do get put in a box and that box gets smaller and smaller, like I'm okay with this box. I understand this box now. Like I never liked, I used to flirt with the, the, the way out here and flirt with the way out here, even in politics. But now I'm like, all right, you know, I'm tend to be a little bit more libertarian approach, but the idea is like, I just want people to do what they want. I want to be able to do what I want and let's do it within reason. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has been driving me crazy where there's, there's not a lot of reason left. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of claustrophobia, and it's like, okay, I, I need like, where's the, um, where's the release valve? And that's right. another tough thing, is because we haven't been playing shows with the band or anything like that. Has that affected so, you not being able to have that release? I mean, I know living oh, with yeah. your in-laws, and I know they're lovely people, so just shout yeah. out to the in-laws. But was that hard not to have the release of the music? Like when I talked to you the other night, you were going to band practice. Yes. How was it? Yeah. 
So well, you didn't play practice, for almost a year or what? Band practice stopped for a while. Mm-hmm. We started, we, I mean, we kept going with the pandemic and then it was like, you know, we had some teachers and some things that would probably not be good for people's businesses. And then we stopped, mm-hmm. but we still were doing things as a band. We, you know, we were writing new songs. We were producing all these videos because we were like, well, we got to make content to stay out in the, in the eye of, of our little scene of where we're at. So we did that. But when I moved from Connecticut playing in bands, then I moved to Colorado and then I moved to LA, I didn't play much in Colorado, but I didn't play at all when I was in LA Mm -hmm. because I was always out and about and I never got into the music scenes that I was accustomed to. When I moved back to Connecticut, I said, stop, that's not happening. I called up all my best friends, which were happened to be in my band in high school. And I said, we're getting something back together. And that we had a good seven, eight, I think we had a nine year run. And then we brought back another band that we had been all um, basically back from the late nineties in the ska punk scene. And so the nice thing is we still had fans. Um, But now like I'm itching to play. So when I got back and I made that distinction that I would never stop playing in my life, the pandemic was like, what? Wow. You know what I mean? It was like, you, you we can't go play? Yeah. Talk this about that, that release valve, right? Because It that, is totally for me. Yeah. Because that's a huge release for you, that creativity again. And I mean, I've heard you play. You're great. But I can't Thanks. imagine like not doing it. So now you're back doing that too. So life seems to be normalizing yeah. a little bit, right? Well, we're Val? booking, we booked some shows. Um, we, we hit we did find, we got a new guitar player and we start, and he's a writer. So like, it's just like, here you go. Here's a bunch of stuff. And it was kind of like the perfect match. Mm-hmm. And we, we didn't think it was going to be the perfect match at the first time. We were a little nervous and it was like, oh, and now we've been in the studio. We've recorded two songs. We've got to finish two off and we're going to do four more. And we're going to put out an LP probably sometime next year. We Ooh. booked a couple of shows for this year and, and more and more keep coming in. Like, I think I just got a text while we were on this about mm-hmm. another possible show. And, you know, for us, it's, it's that like we take our band very seriously. We want to do good stuff and we try hard. We don't take it like, you know, like, like we had our chance to make it when we were in the late nineties and people were touring around right. and, you know, some of the bands that we were playing with, whether it was the boss tones or real big fish or the suicide machine. It's a jazz band. Yeah, it's a Scott. I don't know what Scott is. Yeah. So you don't know, but it's like, is but that like Scooch Scott? Like, no, is Scott like- is, is a, is a form of Jamaican music that was oh, a predecessor sorry. to reggae. Bob Marley's mm-hmm. first songs. If you ever listen to Simmer Down by Bob Marley, that is a ska song. The backing band was the name, the Scatolites. And they're the, they were jazz musicians. So ska music is a derivative of basically, um, they were listening to pirate radio from New Orleans. So they got that jazz feel and they mixed it with some Mento and stuff that came from Jamaica and they created ska music. And then, and that was when they were getting their independence in 1959. Um, and then in the sixties, it started to derive into this reggae, which was slowed down, but mm-hmm. ska never really died. It made it into the culture in uh, the UK in the late 79 and 78, 79, 80, 81 with Madness, The Selector, The Specials, you know, Our House by Madness 
is a big song and everybody knows it. And then, it, and then it crept into America with bands like the Toasters and Fishbone. And then all of a sudden in the, in the Boston's and then in the nineties, the Boston's got a major label deal, no doubt sublime mm, and okay. uh, real big fish. And these are all derivative bands of that, but, but it's been going ever since. And it has this underground scene. So luckily enough, this band was in Connecticut and in the new England and some of the East Coast area was a big band, so we can still go out and get a couple hundred people at a show. But we take it seriously, and and to get back on stage, see the thing is, is like everything else in my life is creative, right? Create content, create audio, create video, and and then all of a sudden with the band, the labels, that's all we were doing is creating audio, creating video. Yeah. But when we go on stage, it's none of that for me. Like mm-hmm. it's not my it's not my profession. I take it professionally, but it's like it's this thing where I go to and it's like, I feel like I don't have to do anything else in my life. I just have to play and I just have to enjoy it. And I just have to rock it for the crowd. So they enjoy it. It's just joyful. And yeah. And not having that is. That's, that's an, a huge. Yeah. Like I did that when relief. I moved to LA intentionally, like I just did that and it was okay. And then I realized like, this is what I love and this is what I need in my life. So the Absolutely. pandemic taking that away was, it was difficult. It still so is. How diff- did you- how did, we only have a few minutes left. Mm-hmm. How did you, what would you say was the biggest um, way that you were able to cope with surviving everything? Where did you go? Did you go to a place in your mind? Did you read? Did you? Mm-hmm. I got, I mean, I got back into the stock market. Mm-hmm. That's what I had been doing for a while. And my dad had always been in it. My dad and my my uncle had done very well for themselves. Mm-hmm. They always studied it. They always, you know, they, they, they were diligent in their approach, the consistency. And I had been in during the collapse and I was making money here and I was doing this here and then I stopped. Then I brought all the stock and I just let it sit there. And then like that going into last January, I, I was basically like, I got to make more money in my life the way I want to make the money. Mm-hmm. to support my family and get the things we need. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, when all those stocks shot down, I was like, okay, well, here we go. You know, I'm already, I've already made that distinction. Now I've got my opportunity because gold and silver and everything that I love got just slammed. Right. So, so I went in and now I'm half, a, you know, half a production company and half a day trader. Like I have it on here right now. <laughs> I'm looking at it well, over gee, here. Thanks. You thanks. Know? Um, all right, so we have two minutes left. We have Let's to. Talk we have about to. You. We have. We have to talk. No, we, we're not going to talk about me. One year. I wanted. No, you. One of the things you mentioned to me, Aaron. Can we get a little bit more time here? Um, uh, was about how important it is to be the best version of yourself first, and oh, yeah. in taking that, I I want to know also what fearless. Okay, thank you, Aaron. We have a few extra minutes. Right. Thank you. So in that. I also wanted to know what does fearless be being fearlessly authentic. Does that have anything to do with being the best version of yourself? Because for me, being the best version of me is having no fear and being the truest to myself. So what does fearlessly authentic mean to you? Fearlessly authentic is to me being feeling fear. And then knowing that you're going to go towards that fear and do it, whatever it is that makes you fearful, because that's when you feel authentic, 
because you, you've gotten over that hump. You've gotten over that whatever is in your way, right? Like whatever is there. Even if you, and I was talking to my wife about this this morning, sometimes when you, you're here and you see this wall, right? If you keep bashing the wall, you're going to hurt your face. Mm-hmm. Right. The whole, and, and, and you may have to take that step back into the side to see around the wall because what do you see when you see around the wall? You see all these spider webs of directions you can go. And at the time, you're going to feel, well, I'm regressing. Or I got, you know, you feel like, oh, I feel hurt because I feel like I, I gave up or this, that. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, you didn't give up. If you keep on your path, but you just stop bashing yourself against the wall. You stopped insanity. So right. back up and look and see, here's all these paths I can go to. And so- so your Whatever. answer is to face that fear straight up. Yeah, face it straight up and, and realize that it may take may take taking a step back to get a, uh, you know, they always say about the 30,000 view. Like if you can analyze yourself and be true to yourself and say, you're dummy right now or you're, you're great right now and, and not be an egotistical, like take your ego out of it because that's what the problem is most of the time with fear. Like fear is one thing, ego is the other thing. Huge, yeah. And that's the balance. So yes. if you take your ego out of it, you won't fear. You might be afraid, but you won't fear. Fear is just a is the negative ego almost. It absolutely has to do with your ego. Um, yeah, and face in facing that fear. So do you feel like you live a fearlessly authentic life right now? I do. I I mean I I I fear like nothing. I get I get afraid of things, but I handle that in here, and in here, before I handle it out here. And yeah, occasionally, all right. So occasionally the Hulk comes out. We try to minimize that. But like I said, with freedom and with the ability to analyze yourself, that, that you're okay with that. It's when this happens, you know, when my life gets crazy or like yesterday, everything was going great. And then all of a sudden five o'clock hit and it was like, did the rest of the world wake up? Where have you been? And it was like four phone calls and it was four emails and it was four texts. And I was trying to pick up the kid and trying to go into a restaurant. And they're like, where's your mask? And I thought the mask was done. Now I got it to get the kid and all this stuff. And it was like, just stop. Right. And I did. Right. right. And like, you and I, I are very similar in that. And I think that's why we get along so well is we don't want to get boxed in. Right. And we don't want to feel that claustrophobic feeling. So I want to thank you so much for being on the show. You're um, welcome. How thank can you. people reach out to you if they want to work with you in your production, listen to your band? Give me everything, Twitter, the ba- everything. The band is sergeantskag.com, S-G-T-S-C-A-G.com. Uh, Twitter handle is MikeD3323. Facebook, you can find me, Mike DiMatteo. Um, D-E. Yeah, D E M A T T E O. And uh, I'm sure you can catch me online. I mean, it's Facebook or yeah. it's social media. Everybody can stalk you nowadays. Exactly. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. Here is my well, congratulations. Here is my one year cake. Whoops, here it is. Here it is. I wanted to celebrate with you so well, much. Well, there we go. I got I, all my I, party I, cakes. I feel, oh, thank you. I feel, <laughs> I love those. I'm uh, sorry I don't have so my do tequila shot here with you, but thank sorry. you. Thank you for being by my side. Yes, I will share that with you, Aaron. I'll send you some cake. <laughs> and Mike, thank you for always pushing me to be the best version of me. You have you have been a big part of my life and this journey. And I thank you so, so much. Well, you have for me too. Like I think this Aww. is a it's a good match. You know? Thank you. So that's thank you everybody here. for listening. Um, please rate and review. It's fearlessly authentic, and I'll see you next. Thursday. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, everybody.
Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.